0: Hello Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast Where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun So that we can love God and others more
1: I'm Conrad, and I thought Avatar was dumb And I'm Jesse, and I have allergies
0: It's like a box of Triscuits in my nose right now
1: Achoo! Achoo! Oh, we're just <laughs> two guys trying to follow Jesus, <laughs> hanging out in the studio with our Bibles, and... We take just 30 minutes to chat about a theological
0: topic and renew our minds with the good things of Christ.
1: stuff.
0: So what are we talking about today, Conrad?
1: Well, today we're going over mistakes Christians make on social media. Oh yeah, the subject's so nice,
0: we're talking about it twice. Part two...
1: Two, three, four. Mistakes that
0: Christians make on social media. We need a part two because you make so mistakes many mistakes. Mistakes that Christians make on social media. Seriously, just stop making mistakes. We're going to have just a part one. Part two. <laughs> uh, so, Conrad, we're back at it again with Mistakes on Social Media by Christian. So, what do you think?
1: Well, we couldn't fit all the mistakes that Christians make on social media into one podcast, so we have to make a second one.
0: So many mistakes, so little podcasts.
1: So we Christians are admittedly sinners and are hopefully proactive about becoming more like Christ. However, sometimes it doesn't seem like that, especially when it comes to social media. So today, again, we're going over the top mistakes Christians make on social media in order for us to re-examine our purpose and the use of social media as a means to that purpose. So basically, how and why should a Christian use social media?
0: So what do you got, Conrad? What's another mistake that Christians are making on social media?
1: So one of the biggest mistakes that I see is Christians get preachy on social media. Mmm, preach it, Conrad. <laughs> so not, we're not just talking about preaching like, you know, sermons and stuff like that, but preachy about anything. Preachy over politics, which is the worst. Preachy over medical and health things. Uh, relationship advice. Also, um, social change. So to analyze this whole being preachy on social media thing, we actually have to define what being preachy is. Right. So being preachy is persuading others to change their beliefs or their behavior in an ineffective, inappropriate, or annoying way. So let's also define what being preachy is not. It's not being persuasive to a specific audience who actually signed up to hear your persuasive remarks on a particular subject.
0: When we use the word preachy, it carries a lot of baggage, right? Generally yes. negative connotation <laughs> that it's trying to be overwhelming or really authoritative in a way that's that's obnoxious or just
1: out of place. Yes. So to begin our analysis of this, we actually have to ask the major question, who has been called to change others' beliefs, and behavior?
0: That's a good question, Conrad.
1: So really, it's all Christians. Right. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, in the Great Commission, Christ said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the main part. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So teaching is implying that you're persuading people to change their beliefs and behavior. Also, even it's also within the context of the family. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So now you might be thinking, well, therefore I have to do this in all areas of life, including social media. However, not everyone should teach in all situations because there are three elements of teaching and persuasion. And here's an analogy for effectiveness. Let's say you wanted to teach somebody math. Okay. Well, you would want three things done. You would want, one, a math teacher, two, have them teach math, and three, during math class. Right. Not a music teacher teaching math during recess. (laughs) Okay, Jesse, so let's first consider the audience and the setting of whom we're trying to reach. Okay. Um, What do you think is one of the most uh, powerful and memorable sermons of all time?
0: So for me, I gotta go with my man Jonathan Edwards Mm -hmm. and his pretty well-known sermon called "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry
1: God." Okay, so great preacher, great message. Right, but what if he didn't consider who his audience was? What. If his audience was a bunch of six year olds,
0: <laughs> I think one, they're not going to listen right? uh, to him because yeah. Jonathan Edwards spoke in like almost pure monotone because he was so concerned about speaking a message. He was so concerned that any kind of emotionalism would detract from the work of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. they probably just fall asleep or cry or fidget endlessly, but they certainly wouldn't understand it. It wouldn't be effective.
1: Exactly. So that analogy basically sums up the Biggest mistake Christians make on social media, which is not considering your audience. For sure. So just as six-year-olds aren't in church to learn about God's justice, well, your audience isn't on social media to have someone tell them about how their beliefs and behavior is wrong. Right. When was the last time you got on social media and you got a notification that Conrad replied to one of your comments, and you said to yourself, Oh, boy. Conrad replied to one of my comments. I wonder what it is. Oh, I hope Conrad is trying to publicly tell me that my beliefs and behavior is wrong.
0: (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) I I hope Conrad is about to convict me at some deep level in my life so I can be made right again. Exactly.
1: Nobody thinks that. And one of the major themes that the Bible covers and something that we at Fast God Stuff try to highlight all the time is to always act in wisdom. And you have to use wisdom to consider your audience. Right. Proverbs 23, nine says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool or he will despise the good sense of your words. So basically what this is saying is if somebody's there not ready to listen to your message, you're just gonna annoy them and then they're gonna despise you. And also whenever we're supposed to correct somebody do you think a public forum is the place to do it?
0: It's rarely the right place to do it, actually, and that's as much logical as it is biblical. Right,
1: and listen to this verse uh, speaking about that. Matthew eighteen fifteen. go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Again, we're talking about not in public, individual, and you're trying to build up a relationship.
0: Because we need to remember that if our emphasis is on wanting to reconcile somebody, if that's truly where our heart is at, then that should direct our message and keep us from being overtly preachy. If all we're trying to do is put somebody on blast, that's not where the purpose of reconciliation is.
1: So the majority of people aren't on social media so that you can go and tell them how their beliefs and behavior is wrong. But there are actually some people who actually know that they're wrong, but don't want to change in the first place. Like Jesse, how many people do you think should exercise and eat right? Everybody should, of course. And how many people, if you go that on the internet and tell them that, do you think they're going to change?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Probably only the people who are already doing it are going to appreciate a post like that.
1: Exactly. A lot of these people already know that what they're doing is wrong, but they don't care enough to do anything about it. Right. So (laughs) what you getting on there and being preachy about it. What are you doing to your long-term relationship with that person? They're
0: just annoying them. Yeah. You're being that person in their life and they're going to think, oh, I'm never going to bring up exercise or eating well with Jesse or Conrad because they're going to give me a whole lecture on why I'm not doing that.
1: Right. So not considering your audience and setting is like a math teacher trying to teach math during recess. Right. But it gets worse because most of the time on social media, you don't have the equivalent of a math teacher teaching math. You have someone who did some Google research on math trying to teach math during recess. (laughs) Like doing Google research on vaccines doesn't make you an immunologist so that you can teach an online course on immunology. (laughs) Now, what you should have is a doctor teaching medicine to their patient in their office. For sure. Or you should have a pastor teaching theology to their congregation or a parent teaching love to their child. Right. So someone who is preaching is oftentimes so full of pride that they think that after doing some Googling, they can basically accept medical patients on the Internet and then give out medical advice with no repercussion. And on the flip side, if you ever see someone who is actually seeking crucial advice on social media, such as medical advice, you know what your response should be? It should be, what did your doctor say? Or, go see your doctor, go see a pediatrician. Go see the expert of whatever you're talking about, your pastor, or mechanic, whatever. Right. So this brings us to the third element of effective ministry of persuasion and, and ministry. So if we're using the analogy for effective ministry as being a math teacher teaching math, during math class, the last thing that we're, we have to go over is are we teaching the right subject? Yeah. So what subject are a lot of Christians trying to, to teach? So a lot of times Christians go on the internet to change others' political and moral beliefs. So not only are most people not a, a teacher in politics or economics or ethics or morality, but on top of that, they're trying to teach this class during recess because, because that's an equivalent of, of social media. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the subject God wants you to be teaching. And really, what does all this political discussion accomplish? What does stirring up outrage over a social injustice accomplish? Yeah. So imagine if somehow your perfect government was established with no crime or poverty and everyone lived until they were 90. Well, you know what? None of that matters if they still die in their sins and spend their eternity in hell. Right. So that's why it says in Titus 3, 9, it says, but avoid foolish controversies genealogies dissensions and quarrels about the law <clears throat> politics <sighs> for they are unprofitable and worthless as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him unfollow <laughs> knowing that such a person is warped and sinful he is self-condemned and then what does god want us to be focusing on it says in matthew 6:33 but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness. And what are the politics of heaven? Well, loving God and others. And what solves social injustice? Loving God and others. So when Christians get on social media, instead of teaching a class on loving God and others and about the kingdom of God, we end up teaching a class on earthly politics and the kingdom of man, which incidentally is the kingdom of Satan. Yeah. Okay, so what is the application in all this? Being preachy is really teaching in an unwise or disobedient way. So again, to be a good math teacher, you have to be a math teacher teaching math during a math class. Right. And according to Matthew 18, 19 to 20, we are all commanded to essentially be theology teachers teaching theology to our theology class. So that's why we always want to be focusing on our daily devotions and also personal Bible study, because we are ultimately trying to teach others how to love God and others more. But now the big question is, Who did God assign to be in your theology class? And in scripture, God gives us a hierarchy on who we're supposed to minister to. And we cover this hierarchy in depth in our other podcast episode, What is My Ministry? So please listen to that. But basically, to sum up, God tells us to minister to first your spouse, then your family, then your extended family, then believers, then the needy, then your neighbor. Right. So notice your immediate family is at the top of the list. And that's where the majority of our ministry should be centered. That's like that's like our home, homeroom class. Yeah. Every single day, we have the same people in our homeroom class, which is our spouse and our kids. So here's theology and practice. It's really easy. So during homeroom, during family time, put away your phone and pay attention to your family and teach them through word and deed, the love of Christ. So here's the 15-second Fast God Stuff Summary. Social media fools us into thinking that we can be more effective ministers, but instead we often end up being the opposite, the wrong teacher, for the wrong subject, for the wrong class. To be effective, we must understand Christ's commands, and Christ has commanded us to be teachers by teaching primarily our families through word and deed, the subject of loving God and others more. Okay, Jesse. So what is a mistake that you see Christians making on social media?
0: So one of the mistakes that we Christians make in social media is becoming so distracted and drained with activity online that we're unable to effectively love others that are actually close to us.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So in the epic literary series, Lord of the Rings, we have to start there. Okay, good. Before Bilbo turns over the ring to the wizard Gandalf, he says to him, I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. And although he was talking about this all powerful ring that could lead to evil world domination, he might as well just been talking about social media. Mm -hmm. Because to me, social media has this way of scraping us too thin. It stretches us unnaturally. So social media has this way of erasing the natural, natural creaturely boundaries that God has put into place throughout creation. And it puts me in too many places at one time. And that is so exhausting. You know mm-hmm. what I
1: mean? Oh, yeah. So it's just distracting like, oh, this person is talking about this one thing. Oh, let me think about this thing for a little bit and let me research it a little bit. And then, oh, this other person is talking about this completely other thing. Now let me think about that thing for a little bit.
0: Exactly. So within like a minute of entering into like the wild wilderness of Facebook or Twitter, you're knee deep in problems, opinions, Mm -hmm. all this general craziness. The Syrian refugee crisis is reaching critical levels. Some crazy person went in a shooting rampage somewhere. Mm -hmm. The climate may or may not be getting warmer. It just depends on which political persuasion you're of. And then there's GoFundMe campaigns and people venting over ridiculous things. It's like watching the worst movie ever. It's a drama wrapped in a tragedy (laughs) interspersed with random non-sequitur moments of comedy.
1: And it never ends.
0: It never ends. It's crazy. So with all these different problems coming from so many directions, with all these different things to read and to look at or to supposedly have to be aware of, the question is, how do we keep up with that stuff? How can we keep from feeling as if we have something, we have to do something about everything? Is that what God wants for us?
1: Right. And that's almost what I was going over when we are being preachy by teaching the wrong subject.
0: Right on. So we're basically, you and I are talking about one coin with two different sides. Mm-hmm. We can contribute to the problem by being overly preachy. Mm-hmm. And then we also become part of the problem by not being discerning enough to understand how we should consume social media. Mm-hmm. And knowing when it is just overwhelming us, when it's not being productive for us to be involved, even in trying to metabolize what everybody is saying.
1: Right. So one person is asking themselves, what should I be producing on social media? The other person is saying, what? Sh- how should I be responding? And it can be a problem
0: on both sides. I think mm-hmm. we usually think of the the, t- the side that we're participating in by being preachy as where all the culpability is, mm-hmm. yeah. but what happens if we're getting so exhausted that we can't do the things that God has actually empowered us to mm-hmm. do? And here's what's subtle for us to understand. God created us as human, which seems obvious, but that means that we have distinct limitations and boundaries. We're not omnipotent or omnipresent, but social media can often make us feel like we are a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so it causes this, whether we realize it or not, this kind of in- internal problem, because we're seeing all these problems. We're seeing all these opinions. We're seeing these from different sources all over the world. And it can be exhausting because we were never meant to process our world in exactly that way. And that's mm-hmm. why social media is such a brand new experiment, because we've never before been bombarded in this kind of way with this kind of volume of stuff to try to look at and understand and to do something about.
1: Right, and if we're not discerning enough, we can end up spending our time thinking about some event that happened across the world where we have absolutely no possible influence.
0: Right, the reality is that God has placed me in a very specific place, and within that place, He's placed me in a very specific neighborhood and in that neighborhood in a very specific church. And within that church, he's put me in a very specific fellowship of people. That's the reality. And that's the responsibility that he's giving me to, to first wade into those waters deeply to invest in people's lives. So the weakness and limitation is part of what it means to be a creature. And God never intended us to be all things to all people or even many things to many people. He dropped each of us into this specific time, giving us a specific place and putting us within a specific people. And that's the reality we should start with, not the virtual one, but the actual reality that he's created for us.
1: Right. So we basically have to go to scripture and say, okay, what is our individualized calling? What, what are the verses that God tells us, the peoples right. that we should be interacting with specifically?
0: Right. So our primary ministry and service happens within those specific circles, right? Yeah. Yep. And that's why Paul writes in the book of Acts, And he, that is God, made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling place. Allotted periods, specific boundaries, that is what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And we got to find our ministry within those circles first, before we try to fill it in kind of a a less satisfying and definitely an ineffectual way online in social media.
1: Right. We need to figure out where we fit into the body of Christ. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So here's how I would apply this, or here's how I'm trying to apply it in my own life. And that is to choose to use our physical, emotional, and spiritual energy to first serve our neighbors, love our friends, and treasure our families. Mm-hmm. That's where we have to start. And that's why 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever.
1: Right. So this is basically saying that your first responsibility is to your family and loving your family includes providing for their physical needs, just like it says in this verse. Exactly. But loving your family is also providing for their spiritual needs by helping them love God and others more.
0: Right. So the main thrust of this verse is do not forget those to to whom God has entrusted you. And how often do we forget the very people around us when we just go online and spend hours or minutes getting distracted by a bunch of things that aren't really that important in our lives?
1: Right. We could literally be sitting next to our spouse or our kids and all of us be on our phones.
0: Right. (laughs) I mean, how many places or how many uh, commercials have made fun of that very thing where a whole family sits down to dinner? I just saw this on a Comcast commercial. Like, how many people sit down to dinner and they're all looking at their phones? And so I found it interesting that Comcast now has a feature that allows you to pause the internet so you will pay attention to each other. (laughs) And here's a company selling it to us. Like, we as Christians should be able to say, we don't need that because we have the fruit of the spirit, one of which is self control, Mm -hmm. and we know how to properly interface with social media.
1: Yeah. So I think, yeah, one of the most important times to actually like put down your phones and not be on social media is actually when you're with your family and especially when you're sitting down to dinner.
0: Exactly. And that leads me to a second application. And this is something I've been trying recently. It's fast from social media. Take Mm -hmm. a break. So spend the time that you would have used checking statuses or reading tweets to share physical space and conversation with others. And a good way to put this in the practice, just as kind of a baby step is take a fast from social media on the Lord's day on Sunday, use Mm -hmm. that as a day to say, I'm just not going to get involved on it. It's a good day. You're already in the house of God. Hopefully take that as an example and say, I'm just going to avoid social media on that day. Spend time with my family instead. Mm -hmm. Here's the last thing I think is really important to apply this. And that is embrace, as we've been talking about, that you are called to your family, your church your immediate circle of relationships. You're not called to go everywhere to be everything and to fix everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I are not God. We can only be present in one place. And I think this is really hard to understand because again, social media gives us this false sense that we can be in lots of places or that we Mm -hmm. should care about everything. So, I mean, how do you make sure that you're not getting sucked into caring about everything and trying to do everything?
1: Well, first I started hiding anyone who was overly opinionated about anything, especially politics, because for one thing it was, it was just annoying. But on a deeper level, even if I didn't respond online, I would end up sitting anyways because I would respond in my mind. I would like engage in these hypothetical arguments over politics, economics, childcare, nutrition, sports, everything. And uh, But most recently, I I just even stopped looking at my feed because and only at my notifications to see if somebody needs me for something.
0: And I actually think there's something really discerning about that. It might sound kind of cruel to say, well, I hide certain people or I hide certain topics or avoid them. But isn't that kind of what we're saying is that it's important to know- when to consume and when not to. Because I think a lot of us, more than we realize, are really emotionally tired because of social media.
1: Yeah, and something else that I found out about myself was following a lot of my friends actually caused me to sin because I'm a really opinionated person and I analyze everything. So the more someone would share, the more likely they would post something that I would end up disagreeing with. Like, oh, well, two weeks ago you complained about money, but here you are eating out or buying a new car. So because we all make mistakes and we all have shortcomings, including me, the more I followed someone, the more I could actually see their shortcomings. Because let's face it, most people have no filter to what they post. Exactly. Something happens and they immediately have to respond by getting on social media and letting the world know what happened in their life or somewhere else in the world, coupled with their opinion or their solution. So the longer you follow someone, really the longer you have to see them expose one of their shortcomings, which you can let slide like the first few times. but if if you follow them for longer, then you see them make the same mistakes again and again, and then follow them long enough, these mistakes become a pattern. And eventually that pattern is just indicative of who that person really is. And now you just get annoyed at them. Right. So the next time I would see this type of person face to face, I would already walk into it annoyed at them. And and that's my sin. That's my lack of patience and compassion. So knowing my weakness, of really being super judgmental, I had to stop exposing myself to all the stuff that people post about that I disagree with. So I ended up turning most of it off. And really, I, I can't care about everything everyone posts about. And social media has a way of actually making me care less. Yeah, and that's not to say like we
0: shouldn't be able to care about certain things or to pray for certain things. So if I see a post about the Syrian refugee crisis, it's of course appropriate to pray about those things. It's where do we understand the line, understanding that, I'm not called to be the universal burden bearer. That's Mm -hmm. God's job. And we don't want to remove his sovereignty by trying to take all that weight on ourselves, even subconsciously. Only God has the strength to do that. And that's why I really love this quote from John Calvin. He was not writing about the internet, but he probably could have been. He writes, each individual has his own living assigned to him by the Lord as a sort of sentry post so that he might not heedlessly wander about through life. I love that because I think when yeah. we get it on the Internet, if anybody else is like me, it's mostly heedlessly wandering when it comes to social yeah. media. It's just all over following click after click and then 45 minute passes and you're like, what did I just do with my life?
1: <laughs> right. And what should we be doing with our lives? What does God say to seek first? He says to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right. But the thing is, social media is really good at taking our eyes off of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, taking our eyes off about learning about God and spreading the love of Christ into our culture. And since social media is a terrible place to do this actual teaching, going back to my segment, that it's the wrong setting to begin with in the first place. You have to ask yourself, well, what good can you possibly do on social media? And what you can do is you can build relationships right? because ministry is built on relationships. So we can use social media to build relationships, not by being preachy or responding to everything, but by wisely seeking opportunities to show the love of Christ. And this doesn't even have to be in public. You can direct message them just as if you would email or text them.
0: I like this idea of, like you said, being accessible to people through like direct messages or by sending encouraging notes. Like I've often thought, can you imagine how different social media would be if Christians were first encouraging and supportive of one another Mm -hmm. instead of really preachy or backbiting or just trying to stir up controversy? It'd be totally different. We, We wouldn't even be having this kind of type of conversation.
1: Right. And that's basically why we're even analyzing this subject, because what we're really talking about is how and why should Christians be using social media? Because if we don't ask this question, well, we'll just use it just like the world does, which is the entire problem. We need to take an approach that's
0: what I would call like John the Baptist method of social media, because John the Baptist was primarily concerned that Jesus Christ would always be made glorious with everything he said and with everything he did. And that's probably not even in my own life, the way that I approach social media. When I engage, I'm not thinking, though I should be is this going to put Christ high and lift it up? Mm -hmm. And that should be the litmus test first.
1: Right. And, you know, you can post vacation photos and you're like, well, how does that lift Christ high? Well, a lot of these things could be, well, you're living a life in thankfulness to God and these are things that you can be thankful for. And you could be posting about your blessings and that's fine. We're not saying that you can't post videos of your kids, but it has to be an attitude of thankfulness to God, which is a part of loving God.
0: If all of the Christian life is supposed to be about glorifying God and enjoying him. And if more and more of our lives are lived online, then it seems plain to me that we need to make sure that the online experience is glorifying to God in all ways. In other words, it's not separated. It's not some kind of subgenre of living where these rules don't apply. They should absolutely apply. Mm -hmm. So social media has this way, I think, of piling burdens on me that God never wanted me to bear in the first place. Right. And we just need to be cognizant of that. Just yeah. be made aware. So here is the 15 second fast God stuff summary. A mistake Christians make in social media is becoming overwhelmed, burdened, and distracted by all the the online activity. So we become drained of the energy that we should be used to serve those around us. God has connected us to a people in a place. And so we are called to be present for those people who are literally close to us. <laughs>
1: How many endings do we want to put on that?
0: So let's wrap up with understanding how and why we should use social media.
1: So we have all been called to teach others to love God and others more, but the recent advent of social media can both help and harm our ministry. But it mainly harms our ministries because many times Christians use social media just like the world does. So we have to consider what social media we produce, which is what I went over, when you have to consider being the right teacher, teaching the right subject to the right audience. And also we have to consider the social media we respond to, which is what Jesse went over when he said social media can't distract us from the God-given priorities of the people next to us. So ministry is building relationships to help others love God and others more. So how and why should we use social media? One, our production and consumption of social media usage cannot interfere with the ministry priorities God has given us Namely, our families, then our church, then the needy, and then those who you interact with frequently. And two, if there is time for it, our social media usage should be an obvious stream of loving God and others. That's it.
0: Once again, that's all the time we have for today. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast.
1: Fast God Stuff is a proud member of the Society of Performed Podcasters. And please check out fastgodstuff.com for all kinds of content that will help you not ignore your family at dinner. Until next
0: time, love God.
1: Love others.
0: That's That's it. it.
1: Two, three, four. thanks for listening, fast, Please
0: stop it. no, no Uh, It made me cough. That was so great.